can see where the cost in both of them and in inefficiencies in both of them lines. One is a very capex intensive process, one is a very opex intensive process. What we are introducing is called a third method, which we will be calling the Indian way. Uh, it's called carbothermal reduction and, and it is low on capex and low on opex. Again, coming from the mining point of view. And the uh, the good thing about these kind of things is these uh, mining processes can handle volume. So if you look at our per ton capex and per ton opex, it's it's less than half of the competition. Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hariyarakli, and in this episode, Shubham Vishwakarma founder and head of process engineering at Metastable Materials, talks about how he turned his research into a commercial venture to extract valuable metals that could go into India's electric vehicle batteries and other applications. Shubham also talks about the R&D center the company has opened in Bengaluru and the longer term plan to go beyond just closing the EV battery and cell lifecycle loop. Shubham, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. Um, maybe you could start with a brief background about uh, Metastable Materials itself. Let's dive right in. Uh, tell us about your company, a bit of a background about your own work before you started this company and we'll go from there. Okay, sure. Thanks, thanks, Arif, Arif for having me. So Metastable as a company is uh, pretty new. So we just incorporated last year in October and closed our funding round very, very Year, so like this year only. Uh, we are basically working on lithium ion battery recycling with the core idea uh, of waste as ours. So we are working in the lithium ion battery recycling industry with the principles of mining uh, introducing it to it. Uh, we are working on the core tech and the core processes behind lithium ion battery recycling and uh, trying to make them as sustainable and as efficient as possible. Uh, how did you guys get interested in, you know, things like chemical engineering and manufacturing and so on and not maybe software or electronics? You know, people like us tend to claim it or it has been all hard, hard work and blood and sweat. It has been there. But I think for me personally, it has more of a luck and a happiness kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if I go back to the history uh, of this particular thing we are doing, it started more or less in 2017. Uh, there's a professor who recently joined IIT Roorkee, uh, Dr. Nikhil Dhawan. Mm-hmm. And I one day casually approached him that let's let's try to do something in the re- field of recycling. He was trying to establish a recycling lab at IIT Roorkee itself. Mm-hmm. So I was studying materials engineering over there at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. Even pre-final year had some free time. So he just casually printed one of the processes of lithium-ion battery recycling, which is used by our competitor now. And just said, go find something better. <laughs> That's how this whole thing started. Mm. And again, uh, there were a few accidents at the lab, uh, few of the mishaps, few uh, few hundred experiments. But in the end, we had something. Didn't mm. really knew what it mean. So uh, I, I'll come to the actual uh, way of why this tech is different in a later. But uh, at that time, we didn't knew what we had at our head. Mm. So mm. like any other process or process engineering or core engineering thing, we went to a few uh, scientific conferences and published it. Okay. First, we went to a uh, materials minerals processing conference and we won a few prizes over there. That's when me and my professor like, huh, this is interesting. This might have some potential. Mm, nice. After we won a, a 
prize over there we published in in one of the best scientific journals in the world which is a uh, journal of sustainable metallurgy okay and again that's where this whole thing snowballed and i had a slight inclination that if i have any chance of industrializing the per- this particular process i need to gain some industrial experience and over there uh, god intervened and i, I got a job at uh, ck builder group in uh, one year ck uh, builder group as a graduate engineer trainee so i spent mm-hmm. one year in their heat treatment plant in jaipur and two years in their advanced materials lab so again uh, we tend to claim it is all hard work blood and sweat but there was a decent amount of luck involved in this absolutely mm-hmm. yeah give us a sort of a layman's understanding of uh, you know the the main points that you all published in your paper what what were your findings uh well essentially speaking we uh, discovered a new reaction honestly that's okay. how we boiled down to or a new methodology of that new, of a reaction uh that's 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 the core of it mm-hmm. again reactions are natural phenomena and they do exist in nature but they still need some designing as well so that's what we publish uh, in the end hmm. i get that it would be fairly technical but you know maybe you could try and give us sort of a simple uh understanding of you know what this reaction is about what it yielded and 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 we could get into the significance of that to your you know present work at metastable uh so let's rather than going into the nitty gritties of the reaction let me let me try to step back and uh discuss how the recycling is done and why i mean me being from a materials background is why that reaction is different so that kind of reaction is very common in my field but are new to the recycling mm-hmm. you will have a decently good idea uh, so recycling as an industry was more or less based around industry of waste management so before you have the opportunity to recycle anything you tend to encountered material as waste try to deal that material in the same fashion how you deal with the waste uh, if you get something at the end of it it's just a happenstance mm. i belong to uh, department of metallurgical and materials engineering so we were coming it from the mining cup perspective mm-hmm. so uh, rather than looking batteries as a waste when we looked at them and again we we had this kind of uh, philosophy in mind let's say i dug this thing out of the ground and i want material out of it in lithium ion batteries i want lithium out of it how would i go about getting it Mm. now that particular reaction is just a missing point in how do we achieve it it's 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 the same philosophy that we use in the iron extraction so that that particular thing we actually didn't uh, design more discover less it already exists with other metals just tried it with the uh, lithium ion batteries and it just works quite fine actually and and the name of your company as well uh, metastable materials uh, does it have a scientific and engineering significance uh yes so metastable is a phase between stable and unstable so uh, we, we we tend to joke around that the, the someone is sitting he he don't touch him is under metastable phase so it it's a analogy to whatever sustainability situation is right now it's a constant reminder for us i mean we are we are not stable obviously speaking mm. but we are not unstable either because at least something exists from the uh, whole sustainability perspective but we, we we constantly need to work to, together to make it stable that's where this whole meta stable phase comes in okay tell us more about the company you've uh, recently uh, told us about uh, a new r&d center i read your press release uh, so currently uh, what's the stage at which you are at your company and uh, what do you want to do in the coming months and quarters and so on uh, so uh, we we 
designed our own processes essentially speaking so there exists no equipments to do that mm-hmm. every uh, so uh, let me let me uh, let me come up with an analogy even if you want to make any kind of uh, cooking at home you still need equipment to do those cooking if you come up with a new recipe that doesn't have a standard set of equipments you pretty much are out of options other than designing your own equipments mm. uh, so that's that's where this uh, whole r&d centers and comes into picture Mm-hmm. So uh, we we need to mature our processes and have to design our own equipments mm-hmm. or at least plug uh, at least plug the mining uh, mining equipments and modify them by our needs. Mm-hmm. So that's where building a machine building center and uh, and and uh, design center comes um, becomes a need of the art. So that's where this Bangalore ka facility is there. This this is the place where we gonna design, fabricate, and test our uh, line essentially. give us a, a couple of examples of the kind of uh, equipment that you will need and uh, the kind of modifications that you'll have to make uh, to suit your processes again it's fine i mean if it's a little technical just sort of try and try your best to explain it to us in simple terms okay 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 uh, so if i go about it uh, so this is essentially a six step process so let me tell you a, a little bit about the process themselves then i will come to the equipment in designing them so this is how you go about mining you have an ore that already exists in the nature and all of the contaminants along with it then you have uh, logistics ka uh, issues that comes with that particular ore second then you process it out of it you know what you want which is mostly the industry standard commodities mm. so now you know what if you go about lithium and battery recycling in the same manner and uh, you know what you have which is your old batteries which are mix all of them and all sort of contaminants and you know what you want which is industry standard commodities now there are like 50 to 100 processes out of which you can you have to just pick and choose but all of them has to be tailored to your specific need and your specific input and output so that's exactly what we are doing over here uh, sitting in bangalore with our r&d center so uh, lithium ion batteries if you look at a lithium ion battery it's a jelly roll uh, with the several layers of copper aluminum and metals inside anyone who has just opened up a lithium ion battery will see so the first step became how do you safely uh, safely dispose and break the lithium ion batteries so that the end consumer who is sending you the batteries doesn't have to do a deep water dis- discharge or that kind of thing so then there there comes the first equipment that you need then there are subsequent processes that happens all of them are uh, decently standard but still has to be customized and tailor made to your specific need mm. and again they has to be tested made the changes and then tested again mm. so that's that that's that's what we are currently doing and planning over here give us a sense of uh, all the different materials uh, that you would be extracting once you actually start recycling uh, these batteries and cells so uh, coming to what we will be recycling i would like to say we have already tested our uh, processes at a decently large scales mm-hmm. that obviously what something at vendors and something at in a bootstrap manner and in a broken phase but the processes themselves work. so it no it's not a question of can you recycle it's the question of um, can you run it in a 24/7 manner right uh, so this is the first thing of what we're going to recycle now talking to actually what we're going to extract we uh, we have a 
priority list of element that we vote no matter what we will find a way to get them at very high purity and very high yields mm. which is lithium cobalt nickel and copper mm. so these four elements are our uh, priority and again uh, lithium is not stable in metallic form so we extract it in carbonate form and rest of the elements we extract in metallic form only mm. Mm. Uh, other element we can extract to an extent uh, but some some places we are struggling a little bit with purity and some places we are uh, we are uh, not there in the economics so other than those four all of them technically we can extract but finding a use case for them is something that we are working on mm. let me let me just give you an example uh, so we are out of only a few companies who can uh, extract electrolyte out of lithium ion batteries extracting electrolyte out of lithium ion battery is the toughest challenge it's mm. it's one of the um, hardest thing to recycle uh, in lithium ion batteries mm. we can get it out of lithium ion batteries we have produced several samples but who will use it is becomes a question mm. so now uh, talking about the actual recycling uh, of the element so uh, how much we can recycle and how much is the our extraction efficiency uh, we can extract up to 90% of the element that is there so um, if you talk about the metals we get almost 99% of the material that is there and even the plastics aluminum graphite that present in the batteries we can extract them in good numbers it's just that the few things like electrolytes and uh, solvent that form around electrolyte it's where the challenge still is so given some of these uh, technical challenges from your point of view what is the realistic timeline where you'll actually be commercially operational give us a sense of that timeline uh, we are planning to have our plant fully operational by end of this year so that's like 2 ton per day 1.8 ton per day ka capacity uh, our line has uh, our line has successfully completed decent level of testing uh, there's some still optimization happening uh, but m- most of the equipments are ready actually yeah now coming to where we going to sell it we will we will start a shipping samples and again these are industry standard commodities that we are producing mm-hmm. so we don't really have to create our own supply chain we will just plug it into the existing supply chains by that you mean there are existing uh, well established uh, supply chains where you know companies would buy them as commodities yeah exactly Uh, you know how the uh, how to sell copper and aluminum in your local scrap market again that's where the copper and aluminum is going to go and uh, something on the same ground goes with the other elements as well it's an industrial uh, international uh, commodities market it behaves like an inter- international commodities market all right and and in terms of uh, capacity uh, just to uh, give us a sort of a sense of what your capacity means can you compare that with some of the more established uh, companies that are doing this around the world how does your capacity compare with uh, maybe some of the bigger companies and which are these bigger companies where are they present i mean korea uh, us china europe i guess so we we are our line has a capacity of something like 1.8 ton per day and it's it's a very pilot phase right hmm so uh, that's that still makes us a big enough early stage company when you talk about the volumes themselves uh but we are not ne- anywhere near to established players so uh, so like uh, yumicore is putting up a plant for 500 tons per day and uh, mm-hmm. several of the players in india have uh, 10 to 20 tons per day few few of the players in india have 10 to 20 tons per day ka capacity the good thing about us is here, here is let me tell you where the uh, difference lies between us and the rest of the world so uh, 
you can see how how at a molecular level we are introducing innovation into lithium ion battery recycling so there are two ways two commercial ways to recycle lithium ion battery that exist one is called pyrometallurgy one is called hydrometallurgy essentially speaking one is uh, the mostly called the german way and one is mostly called the korean way uh, the german way is pyrometallurgy which is burn everything down to the ground and just deal with the consequences of it so they use a very high temperature furnace melt the melt the batteries and just extract heavy metals like cobalt and copper and nickel from the batteries that's mm-hmm. one way of going about lithium ion battery recycling the another way is called hydrometallurgy which is uh, essentially going back how you made batteries in the first place um, breaking them down extracting each element piece by piece by piece so dissolve it in a very strong acid and then use something called solvent solvent extraction to pick each and every element out of it you can see where the cost in both of them and in inefficiencies in both of them lies one is a very capex intensive process one is a very opex intensive process what we are introducing is called a third method which we will be calling the indian way uh, it's called uh, carbothermal reduction and and it is low on capex and low on opex again coming from the mining ka point of view mm-hmm. and the uh, the good thing about these kind of things is these uh, mining processes can handle volume so if you look at our per ton capex and per ton opex it's it's less than half of the competition uh, so when when we talk about the line ka capacity we build 1.8 ton per day ka line in such an early stages when people do few uh, kgs a day it's because that's the smallest i can build scaling up is not an issue scaling down was a struggle for us actually once you're commercial and and as you go from your pilot phase uh, i would imagine to higher capacities how automated will your factory be uh, uh that's 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 question that we wonder almost every day when we design those equipments <laughs> i i am not sure honestly hari hari uh, so you 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 cannot control and automate something until you know what is there to control and automate as as our plant has started to become uh, big enough and we, we we will as our plant has started to become big enough and we will start receiving volume that doing it manually is no longer an option we will start introducing innovation mm-hmm. but i don't want to jump into automation and control systems bef- be- before i know what is there to automate and control our goal is that there should be no human touch in the entire line anywhere but again we can target anything it's it's still going to require some maintenance and supervision you said uh, there are some other companies that are doing this in india already uh, mm-hmm. overall uh, give us a sense of uh, what's the market opportunity for you how much demand is there tell us about what's the market opportunity for a, for a company like metastable so uh, in uh, delhi uh, delhi is uh, trading something like hun- up to 100 tons a day now this this number has quadrupled in last two two and a half years uh, wow. so 100 tons a day means quite large volume when you talk about annual basis mm-hmm. so like 30000 tons a year uh, mm-hmm. it's a decently large size market in india even to different mostly from consumer electronics mm-hmm. and in a Uh, 6 months to year year and a half the ev ka volume will start pouring in as well so that's where the capacity is uh, subjected to skyrocket and mm. again if you want to look at the uh, actual numbers of the market size i would like to direct you to niti ayog ka report that they published uh, last month or last to last month you will find better numbers than me over there 
because these are indian projections and projections are subjected to assumptions again just sort of a back up the envelope uh, calculation this 30000 tons a year in terms of rupees or dollars uh, what does that translate into uh it's 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 subjected to be something like 300 million dollars ka market in india in today's numbers uh, okay it's it, 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 it subjected to grow up and again these numbers are highly disputed when you talk about them because again in the it's in the end it's a metals market and it's subjected to daily fluctuations so right. i would request you to go and just read the niti ayog report i mean those guys have done really good work and they know their numbers better than me fair enough just wanted to get a like i said a very uh, rough uh, idea of you know what what it looks like today to your mind uh, what are your biggest challenges today uh today uh, st- it, it still is uh, the operational challenges that we have in putting up the plant and again that's a very short term challenge but still that's the challenge that we are facing on day to day basis um these are standard set of issues that we that comes when you put up a plant uh, our equipments having some vibrational issues uh, some of the processes are um, not being optimized some purity level issues uh, some regulatory issues and again these are operational issues that i have in mind if you look about uh, if you these are these are uh, daily struggles that we face as putting up a plant uh, what about money uh, i know that you guys have uh, recently raised a pre seed round uh, and you've not disclosed the amount uh, but you've yes. got some very interesting investors including log9 and so on Uh, so how's the funding scene is is that going to be a challenge as as you become bigger uh india is in india doesn't have seen that many people working in deep tech it's it's quite rare actually so uh people who understand the business are very keen on investing once we meet our targets and make progress in you know, a but it's it's not like it's not one of those standard uh, uh startups mm-hmm. that bangalore sees so funding uh, is the process of funding is slower and tougher than usual but it's it's still there the opportunity for people and the people ready to invest is there and as we go along we we going to need money and being a hardware and a deep tech company it's a slower and a longer process for us than most of the companies out there and and today how many people are you in your team and are you able to find uh, the kind of people that you need I mean, the kind of experience people that you need for your company so this is one of those places where i i i look at the god and thank them thank him again uh, so we are uh, six people uh, full time and one intern over here so i i handle mostly the process engineering coming from a process engineering ka background uh, i i have money with me uh, he is also uh, my rookie senior he and i used to play hockey back in 2014 and he also worked with me in my last company in ck builder group as well as a, so he is handling the industrial engineering so basically i come up with the processes and he designed the equipment to do them then we have hired a one more person over here uh, he is a local uh, bangaloreite only his dad works with isro and mostly in the heavy fabrication area that's that's at least that's what i understand so he handle the vendor management from uh, okay. then we have the plant support activities and the chemist in house uh, then uh, there is sorav sorav is also my uh, friend from rurki he and i entered into rurki at the same time he he is handling the supply chain he is building our supply chain so one of the things uh, that I, i was just curious about and possibly you guys might you know have some interesting ideas about this as you know these days uh, 
it's uh, the whole climate change uh, scene has become so much more urgent. All the experts and scientists agreeing that we are obviously not doing anywhere near enough overall. I mean, recycling itself, of course, definitely is a huge step forward in tackling this problem as far as batteries and the EV sector and electronics is concerned. As a factory, as a manufacturing company, I'm just wondering whether you guys have thought about making your own operations more carbon neutral as well. It's it's always there. So we, we knew that um, this CO2 neutrality is very important and uh, it's, it's always there in the back of your mind. So when we are picking up the processes uh, to choose and there are equivalent processes, it's, it's always at the back of our mind, which processes have a history of being carbon neutral and which processes have a history of being dirty. So we are not making those active choices today, but that's that thing is always there in the middle. Let me let me give you an example uh, for this. Uh, so there is an equipment that we have which is called a furnace. That that there are two ways you can heat up a furnace, which is you burn uh, diesel in it, or gas-fired furnace, or an electrically heated furnace. And 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 when it came to choosing that particular furnace, we went ahead and with the uh, electrically heated furnace because at least we knew there's a chance because we know that in India India becoming a uh, powerhouse when it comes to renewable energy on the other hand a gas-fired furnace is always remain a gas-fired furnace so um, we are not making that actively we are not focusing that actively on it but that decision is always there at the back of our heads okay uh, one more uh, standard question as we begin to wrap up um, over the next uh, 12 to 18 months uh, what might be your biggest priorities uh, yield purity process cost, okay. which is the bread and butter of anyone working in recycling. So yield purity and process cost. I think I understand the yield and the purity part. You want better yield for every kilogram of material that you process uh, and you definitely want more purity. And, and I guess you want to do it at lower costs as possible. Yes. Tell us about the process part. What is the priority in terms of process? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if I look at my process today, it's a chemical-free process. So, we we don't have any kind of um, consumables in our entire process other than water and electricity. That's that's one of the key things that is keeping our process cost in control. Mm-hmm. We do use some gases at some places to make, to, for example, to keep the inert atmosphere. But the whole process is uh, chemical-free. The recycling in the end is a business of process cost. So keeping your consumables in control and using as much as possible of the low cost consumables to achieve as good as purity as possible is the target that we are having. Mm-hmm. So the, the more we can reduce the process cost of recycling, the more we can uh, build the salvage value of the batteries. Yeah, looking looking at batteries, like making old battery new batteries out of old batteries it's it's not the way we should do or making the old uh, making the new coca bottle from old coca bottle is not the good idea you, you you extract them you extract the metals throw them into native supply chain and why do you care what that what, what they get made into all right wonderful uh, really interesting conversation uh, shubham and definitely more power to you uh, and to every deep tech startup out of india thank you so much again for making time for this and Definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Sure, sure. That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.